The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it. Weekend editions here. Tale of our city radio. We're presented by Currency. And I'm hearing myself back and over. I'm hearing an echo as well. And I just heard that one as well. God, listen, all I want for Christmas is to is for sounds to happen one time, not twice. Like and that now. just happened. That and you just, just got your Christmas wish. That's a great, great gift. Great yeah. gift. Mark yeah. Reynack, Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt. Hope everyone's doing well. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. As we are going to squeeze in one more show for 2022, we're presented by Currency. For all your equipment financing needs, go Currency. Guys, it's uh, it's good to see you. Good to be with you. What a what a freaking year, huh? As you sit oh, back and put the brakes on for a second and reflect, oh, wow. and and now you have uh, Nebraska uh, continuing to to do work even into the holiday weekend with. Uh, another uh, addition we'll get to in a little bit. We'll talk plenty of signing day. Some of the rewind here this hour. Uh, Elijah's put together a couple of the recruits we talked to that are part of 2023, which is yeah. good stuff. And uh, next hour, Brandon Vogel and the Iron Horse, Gary Sharp will join us. We've all survived the uh, double-digit wind chills this week as Old Man Winter went out with a fight. And uh, Matt Rule wowed again in front of the microphone, Krynak. Yeah, he did. And, God, you, you talked about the year that was. And, like, if you rewind, yeah, there's been a lot, right? And imagine being some of the players on the team that are still on the team, especially, like, you know, if you're on offense, you're going to be dealing with essentially your third offensive coordinator in three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, your second O-line coach, like, at least there's some continuity there. <laughs> third receivers coach, third, all that it's, yeah, it's been, it's been a crazy year. And then when you look at the recruiting class for this year, I don't know. It's kind of like all of them, right? Like, well, this year, what Nebraska went out and did is they got these guys that you've never heard of that are really fast. And then also some guys that are really big that you've never heard of. And unlike the last staff, you know, the last staff was out there getting all these slow dudes, getting all these little guys. So I don't know what to make of it. I will say that it appears that this staff, one reason why rule might've been, uh, he seems, he always seems bullish. Doesn't he? Like he just always right. seems like, Oh yeah. Things are looking up. We're good. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's great. Our offensive lines. Very confident. Really, very yeah. confident. 
our offensive line is going to be great this year. I don't know what you guys are talking about with how you think the line's bad. Like, we'll just ask Casey Thompson's left shoulder and, and, <laughs> and rib cage. All right. Like how good the <laughs> offensive line was, you know, ask Anthony Grant, who just like forgot how to run through a hole because it was always closing. None. So bouncing everything. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, but I think a lot to like about this, uh, mm. about this recruiting class, because like I mentioned, they got some guys that are really, but they really did target elite speed. Like mm. that did happen. I don't know if that's going to, lead to touchdowns or tackles or wins or conference titles or anything like that. But so I, I counted, what is it? Is it like five verified sub 11? Yeah. 100 meter guys. I like think five? to be, to be part of the Matt rule, 2023 club, you had to be sub five, uh, sub 10, four. It's crazy. Like that part, that part is like, Okay. Okay. Don't know if they'll be great at football. Of course, we don't know that. Just don't know that. We don't know if Matt Rule is going to leave for Penn State in two years. And then here we are again. Uh, you know, hopefully that won't happen. But I, I would like to get into some of the guys that, because you watched it all too, right? And you talked to some of the different folks. Well, um, yeah, we, we, were, we were all over it. We were at the press conference. Yeah, I saw you. I saw you. And they've done a good job lately of uh, that you can actually hear the questions. I noticed you didn't ask any questions, though. It was okay. I was just, I, I was good. Yeah, you're like these guys can ask the questions. It's fine. Well, the point is, is it was it was covered and shocking to maybe some of our listeners. I don't need to hear myself talk. <laughs> Says Nebraska sportscaster of the year. Hmm. on the uh on the radio 48 times a day uh <laughs> <laughs> no i mean it, it's it's just the the role i'm in and and fine you know i know i know I'm Craig's like, <laughs> <laughs> i don't need to hear myself talk that's why i have two radio shows i i've been asked to do two and i'm i'm thankful to to do that yes yeah that's a great. So, what do you think? Uh, Way to start let's... off a Christmas Eve show here, guys. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Quick question. I, I was hearing myself. Now I'm I'm back and I'm okay. Which uh, that's what you like to do. I, 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 I have a workaround. I'm gonna once we get to our next commercial break, I'm gonna have some uh, some solutions for that. But we might have to wait till the next commercial break. Until then, I'm doing a workaround. It's not affecting our listeners very much. That's what's important. That's what's important. And, and to, uh, to further highlight the point, you may hear me talk less if it's going to be a, a montage, a, a, an avalanche of extra sound. But, you know, Mark and, and Elijah, I'm not going to say, hey, let's pick one guy and, and say this is the next X, Y, and Z. But I think the – Let's do that. Over, well, we, we can do that in a bit. In a bit let's right? overhype. Yeah. Well, you have a you have a, a a statement this year with eight Nebraska kids, right? I yeah. think that's important. You got four more walk-ons, and to your point, the uh, the theme was speed, but also the theme was was local, and he went out of his way a couple of different times, along with Coach Foley, along with the different coaching staff members that, that did their their little quick hits on the Husker Network, they were really happy with what they did. 
but they made sure you knew you knew that it was uh, going to be better next year as far as the in-state close ratio because mm-hmm. you still have not just a, a guy like Flores that, that got away, but you have a guy like Benny and Bramer, both that went to Iowa State. Yeah. You, you have a pretty high level of, of four – Midwest quarterbacks, a Sioux Falls kid, an Omaha kid, uh, an Iowa kid, and a Kansas kid that all went to pretty big-time programs, Iowa State, Kansas State, uh, Ohio State, and, and, and Oklahoma State. So while in short order, they did a really good job of turning, burning, and, and flipping in 27 days. It still wasn't up to their standard. And if you're going to go out and use your connections, because you've hired a coach from Florida, you've hired a coach from Texas, you've hired guys from the high school ranks in particular. From the high school, yeah. yeah, From that, thank you for clarifying that. From the high school ranks, while also uh, adding folks to your staff that are in you know their late 30s to early 40s that have recruiting connections or have been recruiting coordinators on the yeah. East coast and, and again, to, to hammer Texas. And then there's California ties too. I mean, you, you have scoured the country. You've kept Riola, uh, which is nice. And your job is to, to make things okay. Again, in state, if you're going to try and go out of state to get kids, you better be able to look them in the eye and say, well, uh, we're going to be able to close in state. So I think that's kind of the 2.0 version here of Matt rule. He's going to put his money where his mouth is uh, in future classes, trying to, to get things going. And, and, and you and I have seen it for a long time covering high school sports. Elijah, you've seen it recently. And then just a, a guy, I think we can consider a friend, the development jump in, in Nebraska state football players, because you've got great coaches in all corners of the state, but you also have pretty elite training when we talk about a guy like Steve Warren. Look at the kids right. that have, yeah. and this isn't an advertisement for Steve, it's just reality. You look at the number of kids that that's, that have worked with Steve that jump to uh, high level college football, and in, in some instances, go beyond, uh, and they're playing on Sundays. So um, all of that is right there, and I think Rule's pretty wise to tap into. And he's going to, but no, the emphasis is, is to, to hammer home uh, more in-state kids. And in a roundabout way, Nebraska got another name, Ben Scott. Late yesterday, we were doing the Schmidt family Christmas and the alert happened. And this is a nice get uh, with the Columbus ties. Uh, a kid that's played a lot of football at Arizona State. He started at tackle and he started at center, which is huge. Mm-hmm. It looks like you got your 2023 20, center. Uh, last night for Nebraska, and he's been a guy that's been trained by the Riola family. There's connections there, and that's all. Uh, that's all impressive, and that's a, a big time win because you're, I don't know, going through the the math in your head on the offensive line. What can it be? That was mentioned by Rule specifically about how he likes the line. He likes the guys. They're his guys, and he thinks there's plenty of upside because that's been the one position group that's been hammered the most here the last three years. Yeah. And it, yeah, you, you hear, you, you heard from a lot of those, a lot of the coaches on signing day and even some of the behind the scenes guys and rule mentioned it himself about having that. He's like, we're going to have one unified vision. You're not going to hear one guy saying this while another guy says that, which was a problem 
over the last several years. We all remember the the little Austin and, and Frost kind of beef were just awkward. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like they were literally just saying different things. And it's not that Frost didn't want that. He he wanted to have a, every coach wants that, but he didn't necessarily like cultivate it. It didn't actually happen under him. There wasn't a unified voice. They were not on the same page. That's why a bunch of coaches got fired. That's why the whole thing didn't work out. It's one of the reasons. So you're, you're at least hearing that now. And it appears that they have a pretty real profile of who they're going after too. Right. And the, and the way they work at it sort of collaboratively and, you know, they, they don't waste a ton of time. They're, they're looking for, it, it just feels like they're, they value just sheer athleticism like every staff does, but probably more so. And I think they're willing to take flyers more than most staffs rather than sort of like proven, you know, six star guys that everybody's after. They're like, nah, give me that dude that runs a 10 four that has a, has 40 inch hops that maybe he's only played for a couple years, or maybe is a, a three sport guy or whatever. Give me pure athleticism. It's like they value that above all else. Right. And so uh, that's interesting. And that's how you become that developmental program in the era of the transfer portal. And when you come back to like in-state, what's been really interesting is that I think all in the past, we've all kind of thought, okay, what you do is you get a nice little nucleus of in-state guys. Maybe you get four to six per year. And then you go out and get your speed in Florida and Texas and California and all the recruiting hotbeds. Sprinkle it in. Well, now you got Jalen Lloyd, who's one of the fastest dudes in, in high school period from Omaha mm-hmm. and the guy that he just edges out in the hundred meters, Malachi Coleman and Lincoln, you don't necessarily have to do that anymore. <laughs> right. And you could have gotten 11 or 12 guys from Nebraska in this class, dudes that had power five offers. Right. So not just sort of like local, uh, good thing, right thing to do. Like dudes who were heavily recruited elsewhere too. You could have had 10 or 11 this year. Well, right. And I think next year you could you could probably expect the same. And Mark, it's one of the things that we've been talking about on the show. You can almost tell that when Matt Rule said, "You know, what? I sat down with my son before we came to Nebraska and watched something crazy—a a week long of just all the Husker content we could find." Like it, it shows. It shows through that Matt Rule came into this job well prepared. Now I think it's a combination of two factors: the success of the first month, first that Trev went out and, and stuck with a plan, had a plan for a, a system that he thought would work for Nebraska, a type of coach that he thought would work for Nebraska. And then, I mean, it almost feels like Matt Rule's been listening to Hale Varsity Radio at some of the things we've been talking about within the past couple months <laughs> with like, man, this Husker team looks hey, slow. Matt. It looks like they need more athletes. Like, oh man, this the Husker football team, it would be a lot better if they could have locked down the 500-mile radius. And he gets up yeah. there in the press conference and talks about locking down the 500-mile radius and getting more athletes on the field. It, like, it's not a case of a guy giving lip service. I don't think. I think it's a guy that is well prepared for the job and knows what Husker fans want, knows what has been the failures of Husker football over the past couple of years, and he's coming in on his first month of the job and trying to rectify some of those things. So that's like one of the things that's been sticking with me over the past couple of days is I went back and rewatched that signing day press conference, and he's like hitting like Husker fan buzzwords during the press conference, and I think it just shows how <laughs> prepared Matt Rule was to come in and take this job and the plan in place that he had. Where 
I legitimately think he was going around and probably listening to maybe not Hale Varsity Radio, but some podcasts, some radio shows, uh, hopping on Twitter, seeing what Husker fans are saying. I think he came in with a plan that he thought not only would work for Nebraska, but a plan that would, would appease Husker fans. And I, I think it's completely showing through through his first 30 days on the job. The, the plan that will appease Husker fans is, is going to be a year from now, we're giving updates on bowl practice. You know, a oh, thing yeah. that's going to appease Husker fans is for sure getting the, the in-state guys, but it's one thing to get them, not turn them into something. I mean, and that's all part of his plan, to your point, Elijah. I mean, the, the bingo card's full of what – the narrative has been what 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 the narrative is supposed to be and what's not been followed through on by different staffs right and where and how are you connected and in in true rule fashion he com- he comes into a place he he does not have a connection with and makes connections because that's part of his talent and, and he's going to do a bus tour, you know, to go see all the high school coaches. He's making phone calls. He's going to Lincoln High. He's seeing Coach Gingrey. He's going to Southeast. He's going to West Side. He's going to Millard West or, or Bell West or Creighton Prep. I mean, he, so he's, he's, he's doing the work. But above all, he believes in the evaluation part of it. And, and that's where it's got to be good. You've got to get the evaluation, then you get to get, got to get the development, and then it needs to turn into success on the field. I mean, that's the, that's the dare I say, process that you need to get back to where these kids are super talented, but you got to bring that talent out of them as they transition uh, to, to Big Ten football, and that's been lacking. I think the, uh, the, the problem with, with Nebraska here is we go into another year and another bolus year has just been – uh, keeping kids. And you heard uh, Coach Joseph talk about it, right? And we'll talk to Vogel here in about 30 minutes, but the attrition part of things is very real. And it's ailed Nebraska because you've not had kids stick around long enough to, to get better and get good enough to contribute, let alone star for you. So, I mean, I think all of that is, uh, is, is a focal point. And he just believes it. He's done it. He's good at it. And that is kind of a cozy feeling for him is going in and getting a guy better and getting a guy better to the point where you're not just chasing. You're not throwing kids in that are too young and too green and not strong enough to compete. We want to talk offensive line. You want to know why he he focused in on the O-line and, and gave them a big old shout out on, on Wednesday? It's because he gets the fact that they've, through some crazy circumstances, either injury or COVID, half of those guys haven't had a chance to settle in and just develop at one position. It's been musical chairs, or there's been injury, or there's not been the the the, the watering that needs to go on, where y- you have time to build up, and then you settle in and just kind of go do your job for a couple of years. I think he's really excited because you look at it, man, he's got, uh, he's got three guys. I mean, we'll see if Teddy's back from injury and he should be, but you got Teddy, you got Nuri, you have a center now, uh, you have Ben Hart and then you have Turner. 
Tur- yeah. Both Turner and, and Ben Hart and Piper, Piper all three of those Piper guys, all three, Piper too, yeah. yeah. I mean, they played a hell of a lot of football, right? Now it's time to start playing some winning football. Normally, you wouldn't have seen Corcoran or Ben Hart as soon as we had. Years. Right. Like, and and they, they deserve their fair share of criticism, right? Everybody does when you're playing at that level. Merry Christmas. But, but it might be a little but it might be a little early to judge them, right? Just because you know, back in the day and in most programs, unless you're getting the really elite offensive linemen that just come in game ready and all that. There's like five of those in the world. Yeah, you usually don't see those dudes for three years, but those guys were pressed into action immediately and clearly weren't ready in all aspects. But Rule said something else during the press conference that Again, you'll see it, all, the, all this talk is great because I don't think the talk differs very much from what Riley said or r- what Frost said. The difference is whether or not you can actually make it happen. One, one thing that he mentioned in the press conference was, in, in defense of the offensive line, was we, we, we need to have a real identity, right? So, like, don't judge this offensive line if they don't even know. Like, are we a run-first team? Do we, do we sometimes want to do that? Do we want to throw the ball all over? The, like, what is our identity and then you train to that, right? And and we know <laughs> that during the Frost era, there was confusion, right or wrong, between Austin and Frost on what the hell they wanted to be. For Austin was saying openly, like, well, yeah, if you want to be this power physical running team, then you got to call those damn plays. Practice. Yeah, you got to call those plays. You got to do it in practice. You got to hit more, right? Like openly criticizing him, right? openly calling that out and essentially saying we don't have an identity we're not on the same page right so like that alone is going to help because even if it's the wrong decision at least it's a decision (laughs) and at least everybody's rowing in that same direction right so that stood out as well Again, further evidence, uh, Matt Rule most likely a Hail Varsity radio listener, something we've been saying for months now on this show I I don't think it's crazy months? (laughs) Bruh Years, weeks, weeks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's I know. Now, I there's a couple guys, and I know we'll have time to get into them more. But um, I got my two. Do you guys got your two? You got your two. Like, if you had to pick two that you're most intrigued by, yeah, I I do. I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in and and say Fields at at quarterback, and I know Casey. Sat down with Sip and, and talked about, or I should say, Sims? Charles sat down with Sip. You mean Sims at quarterback? No, right? I like Sims. Sims a lot, and and I like Fields. Uh, the, the the and I'm you know I think we're all going to probably be in on Fields, but I really like the kid out of out of Oklahoma at linebacker. Love his size and speed, and I know Sims is a portal guy, but I think he loves where that guy can go if he can stay healthy, right? Uh, just because of his dual threat ability, his explosiveness. Give me the quarterback and the linebacker. Those are the two I, I really, really like. And there's there's choices on the O-line, totally, you can go with. But I'm going to go with a little flash at linebacker and quarterback to go with. How about you, Grenick? Yeah, yeah f- fields times two. Yep, that's – and uh, and because he's another track guy, he's a sub-11 guy, and he plays the linebacker position, and his dad is like a, was a professional boxer and – He's just fast and physical, man. He, he reminded me a lot of the Jamel Williams kind of uh, – Farley. 
yeah, like that style of linebacker that's just sort of like has a safety body, um, ton of speed, and just brings it right. Like he, on the high school level, anyways, looks really good. I mean, 180 tackles. You know, that's you're obviously putting your nose in there when you do that. But then the, I, I'm going to go with an offensive lineman that a little lightly recruited, late add, and I'm going to butcher his name. Jason, is it Machachik? It's Machachik, and you're going to hear from him in about 10 minutes. Okay, Machachik, and here's why. It's he's a little different when you compare him to say uh, the kid out of Gretna. Why uh, uh, is it Goldman? Goldman. Yeah, you compare. So so Goldman is a guy that's probably about two sixty, and clearly just he's going to have to just you know down calories and power lift and get get good weight on right. But Chechik, a little bit different where he's already he's already a pretty big dude. If anything, he needs to chisel down. I mean, he's six three three twenty. They're going to get his his diet and his exercise game right. He'll probably trim up. The <laughs> you talk about feet though. I'm no offensive line expert, but when that dude gets out and pulls, I mean, it is fluid. He looks athletic. He looks really athletic, and he's one of the he's he's undersized height wise. He's only six three. Most offensive linemen anymore are seven foot twelve, of course. But <laughs> so a shorter guy. That's already got a lot of bulk that's going to trim down, but really good feet. I mean, that guy, he can he can dance around in the traffic really well. He can get out and pull. Um, he was impressive. I, I'd say more so than any of the other offensive lines linemen that that uh, Nebraska recruited for this class in terms of just feet. Yeah, that kid can move. You know, and if and if and if that's going to be part of your identity, where you're doing a lot of pulling. Um, that, that's a that's the kind of guy that you could build it around for sure. Matejcik is a guy that, pun watching his film, I was wowed by, and I was like, "How was this kid only going to North Dakota?" Uh, it was it's great to talk to him. And as somebody mentioned, we're gonna feature him in our rewind here. Uh, we're gonna get to a break here, in just a couple minutes. But I'm gonna quickly jump in with my two names. You guys stole probably my two, Machacek and Field, so I'm going to find two more for you guys just to, to have a little bit more conversation. Kai Wallen, Juco kid out of American Rivers Community College. I sat down, watched his film. That guy is honestly a very, very impressive pass rusher. I think he needs to do a little bit of work with his uh, run defense, especially in the Big Ten. But from a pass rushing point of view, Kai Wallen is very, very impressive to me. I, I think not only is he probably college ready uh, for Pass rushing, he could be Big Ten ready. I was really impressed. He's got an arsenal of moves in the pass rush, and we'll see. He's six foot six, two hundred and forty-five pounds uh, as of right now. So I think there's some weight that needs to be put on if he wants to be uh, a guy that can be a three-down defensive lineman in the Big Ten. But I- I'm impressed with what he has, at least with with his pass rushing ability right now. And then just to throw another name out there, Bryce Turner from down in Texas. That dude is blazing quick. We're talking, this is probably the fastest dude in the class, in Bryce Turner. We're sub 10-3, 100-meter dash, and that was a little bit wind-assisted, but that is just bonkers from a high school senior. We're talking his best time, his junior year of high school, would have placed him in the top 20 of the NCAA track and field championships in the 100-meter dash. That is ridiculous speed, Uh, and that's, uh, I mean, a guy that is... Still got a year of, of development. He's 17 years old, and that's against 22-year-olds who would have finished in the top 20. So that's a guy, I think, just in terms of speed. Got some work he needs to do in terms of becoming a football player, I think. Uh, but those are, are two guys that I think, with a little bit of development, maybe two years down the road, could be very, very phenomenal players. And those are two guys I'm watching. 
You know, Nebraska did well in the portal. We mentioned Sims, but you get Judy from A&M that is high ceiling athleticism that clearly was part of a top five recruiting class. You look at some of the Florida Gators past recruiting classes, you get a safety and edge guy is again uh, with chief borders. I I think that guy looks like he could uh, be unleashed on, on some big 10 quarterbacks. I get another uh, dynamic athlete from Baylor as a, as a grad transfer. Uh, You get Scott again from Arizona state. So you've hit, uh, the SEC three times, you've hit the Big 12 once, and you've hit the ACC a, a, a couple with, with Baylor and and, uh, and Georgia Tech. Uh, so Nebraska did well to go get some some guys that, that haven't reached their peak yet, but something popped off because of past recruiting relationships with this staff, and you're able to go get it. Uh, a lot of times you look at, the Samare Toure route where Nebraska is adding a, a guy from a lower division that comes in and, and kills it, which still could happen. I mean, you still have another portal wave uh, that, that can happen here before that second signing day. You also have uh, some more options. Is Nebraska done? Probably not uh, with, uh, with the, the, the second signing in February. And you just got to figure out who wants to stay and, and where the, the steps are, fellas, moving forward here with guys as they connect what? with their uh, position coaches. So, and, and can I throw in one more guy that I I've, I think has flown under the radar from a lot of people over the past week? And I think it's because he's been committed for so long. But Riley Van Poppel from down in Texas is a guy that, I mean, as a senior yeah. in high school, 6'4", 270, still athletic as hell. I think his, his body might be one of the most college ready of any of these kids that's coming out of high school. And he's the son of a, of a former MLB pitcher, first round pick and Todd Van Poppel. Like this guy's got athletics in his genes. Uh, he is very college ready with his body. That's a guy that I think has flown under the radar within the past week, just with all the new additions. But I think that the, the, this staff being able to keep him around from what the previous staff recruited was very, very big and it may have flown under the radar, but I think we'll be hearing from him at some point next fall. He's a guy that his body for a defensive lineman heading to the Big Ten is more college ready than one would expect. Back with you here one more time before we uh, take off for the uh, new year. It's the weekend edition of Hail Varsity Radio presented by Currency. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, a Christmas Eve morning edition. Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt. Reminder, if you're watching the show and you're able to do that on different channels, the Hail Varsity YouTube channel and then Hail Varsity Radio Twitter at HVarsity Radio. Follow that ESPN Lincoln Facebook and Twitter as well. But you see the scroll going across the bottom. Uh, take advantage now if you're uh, like me and you're late to the party with getting your Christmas shopping and holiday shopping done in a timely fashion. Uh, HailVarsity.com backslash offer saves you a lot of moolah, and it does so on the magazine. The subscription's incredible. Uh, fantastic work by Brandon Vogel, Brady Altman's, uh, of course, uh, Jacob Padilla, uh, just to, to name a few, Aaron Sorensen, absolutely. Mike Babcock kills it always. Listen, all your Husker needs are met there uh, with the monthly magazine and then all of the, the work they do day to day 
online with the digital subscription as well. Get that bundled, get that handled, and take care of that Nebraska fan or yourself with HailVarsity.com backslash offer. Make that happen. A quick timeout. Mark Cranach looks like he's going to take another shot of Jaeger. I love it. Uh, oh, ho, ho. Completely untrue. <laughs> it's coffee. That's fine. I'm going to go get some coffee. A quick timeout and the rewind next. Machacek and Gunner Gatula uh, up to bat next with Hale Varsity, presented by Currency. Now back with Hale Varsity Radio with Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. We say hi to Jason Machacek. 6'3", 320 pounds. Jason, welcome into Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for your time. How are you? Good. How are you? Thank you for having me. Hey, thank you for your time. Take us through your your day, your process, and uh, I guess the emotion of the moment. Hey, you know, it was, um, you know, I signed early. I wanted to get it over with and make sure that I was a Husker as fast as I, uh, as fast as I could. So, um, you know, it, it was a very... Um, very surreal day, you know, and, until I get there and uh, um, actually get to wear the Husker gear. I don't feel like I'm a Husker because it's just it, – it's such a surreal moment. And, um, you know, it, uh, how the events how the events um, happen, you know, it's just – it's crazy. So, I'm uh, just, just excited to be there, to get there, and, uh, yeah. Jason, uh, got some, uh, some South Dakota fans uh, that are Husker fans, I should say, that listen to the show. I know one of them, Brennan, reached out to me today to make sure I had the right pronunciation for pure South Dakota. And uh, there, there's Husker fans that abound in South Dakota. I want to ask you about your upbringing. Were, were you a Husker fan growing up? What, what does that, that N on the side of the helmet mean to you? Yeah, I, um, I, I wasn't a Husker fan, but that, that N on the side of the helmet, you know, growing up in the Midwest and especially South Dakota and pretty close to, to Nebraska and knowing a lot of Nebraska fans is, you know, first of all, the, the tradition of the fans, um, 392, I think it is consecutive sellouts. And I mean, that's all you need to say is, is how, how loyal those fans are and, and how, how fun it is to play for them and play, play in front of them, you know, um, even when we're on the road, I know there's red in the stands. So, um, you know, the, the, the fans really make it, make it a big deal. And then just, just the tradition of Husker football, you know, we, uh, we, well, I shouldn't say we, but they, uh, you know, they won championships back in the '90s, and um, we got we got to get back to that. Well, J- Jason, you said we. I think you have the right to say we now that you have the the name on the the dotted line, and you've sent that paperwork in. I think you have full right to say we now. <laughs> yeah. Jason, uh, let's talk about your process. Jason Machacek, offensive defensive line uh, recruit out of South Dakota with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Tell us about your process with Nebraska contact connection and then how things materialized for today. Yeah, you know, um, so last spring in about March, I took a junior day visit with the old staff. Um, you know, I went there, did went through the tour and everything, and it all went well. And then this past summer, I uh, going into my senior season, I, I went to camp there. Um, so I could work with Coach Rayola. And he, um, you know, after the camp, everything went well. He said that he really wants me. And um, it just, uh, I mean, it just worked out that Coach Frost didn't give him, you know, the opportunity to give me the opportunity to, for me to come play um, for the Cornhuskers. And it just, it just didn't work out. So I swept it under the bed. I got an offer from UND like, two days before I went to that camp. And then 
a week later after that, I went to NDSU, didn't like it, and then I committed to UND. So, I mean, I, I was I thought I was going to North Dakota um, for about let's see, June, July, August, September, October, November. I mean, five months now. So you know, you go from thinking that you're going to someplace for five months, and then um, I get a call at eight thirty at night from the new staff, and they say that you know. Um, like basically that the old staff messed up and, and we need you here to, to build back the program. So um, it, it was a lot of, a lot of talks, a lot of emotional talks as far as uh, calling UND and breaking them the news. And um, ultimately I, I believe I made the right decision to come be a Husker. What was it about your skill set that impressed coach Raiola? What was it about Raiola that impressed you? Yeah. Um, I, I, coach Raiola uh, told me straight to my face. He said, you know, he was an undersized guy when he played. His brother was and his best friend was. So uh, me being, you know, even though I'm not the smallest guy, I, I'm short for, for Power 5 football. So um, he said he loved undersized guys that work hard, and that's what he loved about me. And he, he loved how, how I took coaching and how I, uh, you know, just handled, it, handled myself at, at camp. And um, Coach Rayola for me, you know, he just, I mean, he's one of the best of business in my opinion. Um the, the way he coaches, his techniques, I love. Um, you know, they're definitely uh, techniques from what I, from what I used to, what, I, what I'm used to. But um, it's uh, he, he's really a genuine guy and a nice guy, and so uh, he's a great coach. Jason, from from watching you play just a little bit, you really do strike me as just a, a an offensive lineman's offensive lineman. And in the official press today, release today, excuse me, from the University of Nebraska, you're listed as both an offensive lineman and a defensive lineman. But as I said, you, you strike me as an offensive line kind of guy. So tell me a little bit about the the type of mentality that you play with and the type of mentality that's required to be an offensive lineman. Yeah, you know, you got to go out there and know that you're going to be more physical than the, than the dude across from you. You know. Um, you can't go in with a mindset of, well, he's big, he's strong, he's fast. So, you know, I, I gotta, I gotta make sure I have this step down, and then the next step down. I mean, you you gotta go in there, and your technique should be should be automatic, and you should not have to think about that. And you have to think about striking fast, being being fast, and just being nasty. Um, you know, in in modern college football, there's a lot of passing on RPOs, a lot of lateral movement, but um, I, I think still. The O line, especially interior O line. I mean, you get down in that three point stance, and you know that you're just you got to be more nasty and physical than uh, than the guy across from you. So I go on with that mentality every play, and just yeah. Jason, we'll end it here, and thanks for your time, and congrats on your day. Where do you fit position wise with Nebraska? Has that been decided? Yeah, I'm going in as an interior offensive lineman. Um, both doors are open as far as offensive defensive line. Um, I talked to both coaches and both coordinators, and they, they they both want me to play either side of the ball. You know, depending what happens, whether I can play sooner there, whether my body's better for one or the other. So, um, yeah, it's good that both avenues are open. But Jason, I know we said last up, but I got one more for you. The, the, the head of hair is beautiful. We only got about thirty seconds left here. There's no plans to cut that hair before you make it to college, correct? Oh no. Oh, thank God. <laughs> is this thing just, is this Hollywood uh, flow we got going? Well, we, we talked to Vocal a couple of days ago. This is much, much better hair. It's a, a beautiful, really? beautiful head of You're hair. just throwing Travis Vocal like under the bus. Hey, like, okay. Vocal's got good hair. And this, this uh, it's credit to Jason. I mean, his hair, is, it looks like it's taken years to grow. Uh, Jason Machacek with us out of Pierce, South Dakota, uh, part of the 
Nebraska recruiting class 2023. Jason, uh, best wishes to you. Thanks for a few minutes with us today. Yeah, thank you, guys. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity. And I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Early to rise with Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Here's Chris Schmidt and Mark Cranach. Back with you, signing day 2023 with Hale Varsity Radio. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, offensive lineman from Lincoln Southeast, part of the 2023 class. Gunnar Gatula with us. Gunnar, congratulations, and uh, uh, thanks for giving us a few minutes on on signing day 2023. Take us through your your process, and uh, I guess Nebraska and that transition with Ruel, what was your interaction like with the new coach? Uh, you know, I got to talk to him early on after he got the job. And I just liked everything that he was saying. And I really liked him as a coach and a person. And just obviously Coach Ryle having that relationship with him. So it's just a great fit for me still. Now, Gunnar, uh, there's been a lot made in the past couple weeks about Donovan Ryle. Some people very happy with the hire. Some people very unhappy with the hire based on, on play last season. I want to get your take on this. You're a guy who's known Donovan Ryle for a while, been recruited by Donovan for a while. And, and I want to dive into your relationship with him and, and why you're excited to go play for him. Oh, uh, yeah, I've had a, I've built a great relationship with him since he got here. I mean, I just love the way he coaches and attacks the day every day and attacks the aspect of coaching that position and just his philosophies and all those different things. And uh, I'm excited to be able to go play for him. Gunner, what is it about Coach Donnie's personality that connected with you? And uh, give us a look, see if you could, uh, for folks that, that just watch and, and aren't going to be a part of it. Uh, he just coaches with a lot of passion and preaches like his players playing with a lot of passion and just playing hard 24-7 and having a purpose. So I think that's just the big thing that hit home for me and just wanted to play for a guy like that. From a style standpoint, can you describe the offensive line style that, that you've you've had at Southeast and how that – can fit in Lincoln with what Coach Raiola wants to do? Uh, yeah, we run some similar plays, just like power or just zone schemes and things like that. So uh, there will be new things I have to learn for sure. But, uh, you know, I was prepared well by uh, my coaches at Southeast, Coach Ryan, Coach Gutula, to jump to that next level at Southeast. Gunnar, t- tell, I mean. yeah, t- tell me about your own personal play style and how you think it lines up with Donovan Riley. We- we've watched you uh, over the years here as Schmidt's done high school games, I've done high school games. We- we've all gotten the chance to see you. And you're always a guy who's played with a bit of a chip on your shoulder. Take me through that and, and just how you like to play the game. I mean, I just, gotta, I just like to take uh, every play one at a time and play as hard as I can every play, trying to you know make that extra block downfield or make that extra play for another second to hopefully get that touchdown and just – playing hard and trying to win your matchup in every game. Gunnar Gatula with us here, signing day 2023 on Hale Varsity Radio. Gunnar, let's talk about some of the peers that you're going to be coming into to Nebraska with, and you've uh, played a lot of ball at the high school level. 
uh, in Class A. You, you've played the Lincoln schools. You played the the the, the Omaha schools, and uh, just what what's this in state? Hall like uh, some of the mates that are going to be going to Lincoln with you. Tell us about some of the other Nebraska kids that you've connected with, and just your assessment overall of of the talent that's coming into Lincoln. I mean, just all of them, really. We all just have a great relationship with each other, and I mean, just like like pretty much all the in-state guys, we're all just like good buddies, and we talk a lot or text a lot, and we're just like if we're on a visit or something, we're always hanging out and talking or. Just always catching up with each other, so it's fun for sure. Gunner, take me back to, to early September. Elkhorn South was in town playing Lincoln Southeast, and you were matched up all game against Maverick Noonan, a guy who's uh, about to be your teammate. Take me back to that game. What was it like going up against a guy, uh, I mean, one of the, the best edge rushers in this state? It's a tall task, and I want you to take me through that game, what you were feeling, and, and how you feel like uh, it's going to be to go play with Maverick at Nebraska. Uh, it's just a great opportunity to be able to play a player like that who's really good he's very technically sound so he gets the best out of you uh, on every play you can't just have one bad play because uh, he'll take advantage of it because he's very technically sound and explosive so just always having to be ready and I think just being able to play against players like that is really uh, good for me and just good for him and everybody do you think you uh, you won the matchup that day I don't know I'd say I'd say it's been pretty even over the years uh he hit a sack on me this year, but the last two years before he didn't. So he's got one on me in three years, but it's always a great matchup. Gunner, your skill set, your strengths, and then what do you need to uh, to, to improve on as you uh, you get to Nebraska? Where where What are you coming in with that you're happy with and the coaches like and they've told you about? And then what are some areas as you transition to Big Ten football? Uh, they like my versatility and athleticism to be able to play different positions and my frame, just being able to fit in a lot of different spots to be able to do a lot of different things. I think the big thing will just be getting used to the, the speed and the, I guess, strength of the new college level, just trying to get stronger and bigger, I'd say, just building onto my frame and working hard, I'd say. You mentioned a key word there, versatility, and to me that sounds a lot like what Coach Rule in, in Nebraska football is going to be about, uh, talent, developing that talent, and then putting that talent in the best spot to succeed. What what has been told to you? What is foreseen for you from a position standpoint? Where do you fit on the line? Uh, the, well, Coach Rule has, hasn't really told me a set position that I play. Um, I mean, he's talked about me playing both in like, either meetings or just like talking to me and just – going through drills and different things like that, like what you do. So uh, I don't think I have a set position going in, but uh, I think I'm ver- I think I'm probably either a tackle or a guard. But uh, I'd definitely be able to do either for sure on either side. And Gutter, you've uh, been around the game of football really your whole life. Quick personal story. I remember my junior, senior year of high school, it was always little Gunner hanging out on the sideline at practice <laughs> at games. And, <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. And then a couple years later, I go to a Southeast game and I go, that's Gunner Gatula? No way. The kid's like six foot six now. What happened to him? So I want you to take me through your childhood, uh, always being around the game of football. You've spent some time around some greats at Southeast from Gerald Foster and, and Luke Gifford. And you got to see them compete every single day in practice. What was that like for you growing up? And, and I mean, simply put, you're a football guy. That's what you've always been. That's what you've always known. Yeah, it's just I'm really blessed for the opportunity to have a dad who was the coach. And, uh, you know, just being able to grow up around the program and just see all those like great players before like when I was a kid just 
like seeing Gerald Foster mess with me or like when I was like a middle schooler at football camp getting knocked out by Isaac Gifford playing pickup. So, I mean, it's just a fun experience for us, you know, just being, being able to be around guys like that. What Isaac do to you? Uh, so I was a sixth grader and he was the eighth grader and we're playing, it's called night ball. It's, yeah, it's kind of, classic. I don't really know how to describe it. It's kind of like, I don't know, just, you can just forward pass, whatever. But anyways, <laughs> I went up for a jump ball. I went up for a pass and I thought it was just me there. And then he's came out of nowhere and picked it off and then just ran right into me and just knocked me down. And yeah pretty bad (laughs) fun memories we brought out here on the recruiting show uh last thought gutter uh what's this day and moment meant for you and your family oh it's just a special moment to be able to finally get it done and uh just really exciting for all of us gunner continued success uh best you and your family and thanks for a few minutes today thank you thanks for having me on Each year, approximately 5,000 children are diagnosed with brain cancer. Of those children, nearly 30% will not survive, and many of those that do are left with debilitating side effects for life. We're asking you to help by tuning in to the 10th Annual Team Jack Foundation Radiothon presented by the Home Agency on September 29th. Become a champion for a cure for just $20 a month. Visit teamjackfoundation.org to learn more. Thank you for helping us fight for a cure. The Hale Varsity Radio Saturday Morning Show. Strap yourselves in. Here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt. Y'all don't even know he was a virgin until he's 28, and now, roll tide. And Mark Cranach. Time has come for someone to put his foot down. And that foot is me. Welcome to it. It's Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio Weekend Edition. Chris Schmidt, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal, Brandon Vogel with us back from the cabin in the woods to his football office. It's where it is Griswold Tribute Bears hat. I love it. And uh, we're uh, streaming here on Hale Varsity this morning. You can hear us on ESPN Lincoln, of course, but also the Hale Varsity YouTube channel and Hale Varsity uh, radio Twitter at H Varsity Radio Elijah. Yes, has your audio echo issue been fixed We're for fixed. yourself and listener? We're fixed. Okay. Yeah, it's gone. You are you are awesome. That's why they sir. pay me the big bucks. Awesome. Yeah, nice button pressing. Good yeah. work. That <laughs> <laughs> was dismissive and condescending, and not entirely uh, wrong. Vogues, <laughs> uh, how we doing, man? How you how you feeling here? Is the uh, football season? officially officially wraps up good to see you man good to see you guys i'm doing well um haven't gotten to watch as many bowl games as i would have liked due to due to travel uh, of late but otherwise that's that's really my only main complaint so far with this holiday season do you have so, all the uh all the, i was asking, do you have all the, all the christmas shopping all wrapped up brandon yep that's all that's all good today is mostly about meal prep and mm. uh it'll be pretty quiet just the just the three of us here at home I've, I've found myself a little less interested in bowl season two. Is that because the bowls aren't as big of a deal because of the playoffs or is it because Nebraska hasn't been in one in six years? And so you just don't even really Do other pay things. Much attention. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think both of those things probably contribute. Like it's, it's, <laughs> we've, <laughs> we've had since 2016 now where Nebraska, like the season's just over when the season's over, it's a little bit strange to not have those extra, three or four weeks to at least talk about another matchup. 
I've always had a, a, a love-hate relationship with bowl games. Like, I'll watch all of them. I, I really will. I'm not a there-are-too-many-bowl-games person. Like, if there's football on at 2 o'clock on a Tuesday afternoon, amazing. That's, like, the best Tuesday I'll ever have. That said, they were pretty random and outside the the norm to begin with. And now you look at a lot of these teams end up kind of being shells of them former selves via either the transfer portal or coaching carousel. Uh and it does, it diminishes it a little bit for me personally. Brendan, I know you're a stats guy, so I just want to bring one thing up. You mentioned the, the bowl drought since 2016. It should be noted, that was Ronnie Green's first year as chancellor. And since then, Nebraska yet to make a bowl game. Now Ronnie Green's stepping down, a new head coach comes in. If, if Matt Rule makes a bowl game next year, it's going to be one of those situations where it's causation or correlation. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it is, and I, I wouldn't I wouldn't like that. I, I have enjoyed my the few times I've been able to talk to Ronnie Green um he's always been i thought a a good leader at the university of nebraska so but you know a curse is a curse it it happens to the best of us vogues uh let's talk a little bit about the recruiting class uh some impressions i know we we spent time with you thursday we've got uh some folks waking up packing the uh family truckster uh with presents for for the day ahead or making the coffee run so let's reset overall your takeaway and also uh, tell folks a little bit what you dove into in reference to recruiting and retention with your latest feature in the Hale Varsity magazine because it it combines really well for a I don't know an early signing period topic yeah I mean that's kind of been the long-standing battle for Nebraska is with any of these classes I think just by nature of how nationally it has to recruit is how many of those guys can you hang on to? Like, we can talk about development, and, and I think it's important. And, you know, when I talked to you guys earlier in the week, I, I told you kind of why I, I, I'm really buying it from from Matt Rule. Um, <clears throat> but you got to have the players there to develop them. And for a long time, Nebraska's lost a little over 40% of its signing classes, which I think is in range with most of its contemporaries, but probably on the high end. Uh, this past class that they just signed with nine in-state players – and it's changed a little bit, you know, since Wednesday and Thursday, because they've added a, a couple, or at least since Wednesday morning, added a couple of uh, signees and, and transfers. But overall, the, the average distance for recruiting this class was under under 500 miles, which doesn't happen that often. We talk about the 500-mile radius all the time. Um, this was one that actually got and ended up the average recruit coming from that. And that, that helps with attrition. Um, I think – Broadly speaking, you know, Nebraska is kicking around in the high 20s, low 30s, depending on where you look for class ranking. I didn't know if they were going to be able to get there, but that puts them in a spot where they're they're pretty much equivalent, I think, to most Nebraska classes, which is something of an achievement in a transition class, in my opinion. Yeah, you mentioned transition class and you go back to 2014, 2018, or sorry, 2015 and 2018. Mike Riley's first recruiting class, Scott Frost's first recruiting class. And you have some hits on there. The you outlined it. It's it's about attrition. When you look at both of those classes, I mean it's you know, quick math, but looks like probably half the guys just never even just didn't stay at Nebraska, let alone contribute. Is that something that you can is that sort of built in with transition classes, do you think? Or if you have a more defined identity, more stability and all that, can you hedge against that? Yeah, uh, really good question. I think I think it's a little bit built in. 
But I would guess that I haven't done this. Like if you went back and looked at, you know, some of these coaching changes that have gone well relatively quickly, I would be surprised if they didn't hang on to a good amount of that, that first class, because, you know, those are the guys particularly. So this class ended up, or at least, you know, on Wednesday afternoon, when I kind of wrote my bullet points for this class at that stage, it was about half holdover commits and half new commits. Um, those, those new commits, you know, if they stay, if they become kind of the players that you projected and you're not reaching a ton, which I, I think reaching is a little bit inevitable too, just because, well, the, the shelves aren't fully stocked when you're a new coach and you come in late November, early December, uh, so to speak. So I would guess holding on to that class and, and having them become the people that kind of set the foundation for what you do is probably key to a lot of the early success we've seen at coaching changes elsewhere. Brent, I believe the number is uh, eight guys that uh, this new staff was able to hold on from uh, the previous staff. And I want to get your take on that. Some of those guys have gone a little bit under the radar this week because we've talked about them for months now. And I think there was a a general consensus among fans and media like that. You you were expecting to lose a good number of those. And I think eight's a healthy number to keep around. So what do you make of the guys that that this staff was able to keep in this recruiting class? And, And which of those guys do you think maybe are flying a little bit too under the radar at this point? Yeah, um, I mean, we could start with the offensive line. Um, you know, they added this this new staff added one commit, but three of those guys were in state and, and existing commits. And you know, Matt Rule talked about it on on Wednesday and has really made an emphasis on on keeping those in state guys at home to the fact that to the point where he talked about you know some of the guys who ended up going elsewhere. Uh, which, you know, I think they made their best effort on, on the two that went to uh, Iowa state and just sometimes you're going to, you're going to lose some of those guys with it, with a new coaching staff. Um, doesn't mean that they didn't have the right pitch or anything. It's just some people given the opportunity will say, Hey, I was in with this last group. I don't want to go through the whole getting to know, know you process again. And that, that seems pretty fair to me. So um, it'll take a while, I think, but to you know, those offensive linemen kind of were the core of, of the in-state guys, not necessarily the most highly rated or the most closely followed, but how those guys develop, uh, offensive line has been a long-standing issue for Nebraska, I think becomes key to, to how quickly this tenure gets up and running for Nebraska. Bogues, you, you just touched on where I want to go, and, and you've got a lot of eyeballs. You've got Rue, who's a hands-on line of scrimmage guy, of course, holistically and philosophically, Foley's done O-line work, Satterfield has done O-line work. So you've got, you got what the head guy wants and you've got your position coach, but then you have some, some additional input, which that, that goes above and beyond the, uh, the Milt and uh, Dan Young combo of two guys, or Bonnie and Gar- Barney and Garrison two guy combo. So you've got all sorts of eyes, which I think will be good for Nebraska. Do you look at at what's back on the offensive line and potentially the defensive line with what years they have to play and their experience as a good bridge for what Nebraska needs to develop what's in the cupboard? Because it's always it's felt like let's throw in the new guys before they're ready or capable and you just let them sink or swim. And, and that's part of the reason why the, both lines of scrimmage haven't been dominant for a while. 
Yeah, it, it could be that bridge. It probably should be that bridge for, for Nebraska. It's just tough after having watched these Nebraska lines the past two years, which, you know, we're pretty young, but going into this 2022 season, uh, it was one of the more experienced lines in the country, specifically because they were playing people like Corker and, and Ben Hart fairly early. Um, and theoretically, unless things change between now and opening kickoff next year, they'll have guys like that available too. multi-year starters. Uh, it hasn't looked the way anybody at Nebraska wanted it to look from fans to coaches. Um, can it get closer to that? Adding somebody like Ben Scott, uh, transfer from Arizona State, who has you know multiple years of starting experience, is, is really big. And you know, and we talked earlier in the week. That was kind of the spot where I thought, if you can get an experienced O line here, O lineman here, um, that kind of changes the dynamic. Just somebody who's who's got that experience. So Nebraska, in all likelihood, unless a lot changes over the spring, it's probably going to go into twenty twenty two or 2023 with one of the more experienced lines in the country in terms of total snaps played or games started, however you want to look at that. And that needs to be an advantage. It wasn't in 2022. Matt rule during the press conference kind of came to the defense of the offensive line and said, he doesn't buy into the fact that they're, you know, kind of the weakness. He expects them to be good. And he highlighted in particular because that you need to have an identity and he seemed to pin that on why Nebraska's O-line seemingly did not perform was the lack of an identity. If you were to guess, looking at Satterfield, looking at Rule, looking at their history, looking at what Nebraska brings back, looking at who they're bringing in, what is that identity going to be? Good question. I'm not sure I fully have a, a great grasp on it yet. My my feeling is they're probably trending towards, I think they'd like to be a little bit more run heavy than they've maybe been at their previous stops. And I think that coming in is kind of a plan reflective of the big 10. Not that they didn't run those ball, run the ball and, you know, play strong defense at those other places. That was kind of the recipe, but I would expect it to be even a little bit heavier here if they can do it. You know, you, you look at the wide receiver offers and the coaching staff, well, Rule, I guess, specifically has talked about it multiple times now, uh, just their emphasis on on speed. So the question will be, uh, in, in Nebraska under Frost, you know, was kind of aiming towards something similar there. They could just never run the ball consistently when they had to run the ball. And that's the biggest thing I think um, good teams do is you, you have run – run scheme, run plays that you know you can go to and, and get, you know, your three, four yards when needed. Um, so I think a little bit maybe of a clearer focus on that is probably what I'm expecting there. Brandon Vogel's with us here. It's a Saturday morning edition of Hale Varsity Radio. And Brandon, we mentioned uh, on, on Thursday whenever we're talking to you, the running back room as being a place that Nebraska may need to add more talent. Can you just give us a, a rundown of the room? They did add Quentin Ives. I want to get your take on on him as a running back. But with uh, a new running back coach coming in, a new set of eyes, what do you think Nebraska has in that running back room right now? Yeah, I mean, they've got pretty good pretty good returning talent, I think, if you don't lose any to to the portal. Um, you know, Ramir Johnson probably remains a, a, a fan favorite. Um, and we'll see. Like, he showed up in the limited amount of, of time he's gotten. It was a little bit strange that he didn't see more, you know, throughout 2022. Gabe Irvin is somebody I'm still not 
willing to to write the book on. I think there's a chance, especially with coaching change and some new coaching, that if he stays healthy, his best football's still in front of him. Um, you look at the leading rusher, Anthony Grant, we'll see what happens with 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 that. Um there's depth there and, and adding one. It I would look for Nebraska if they could find a transfer portal quarterback might be the way that they go because while I like the talent there, it's not the most experienced group at the moment. You've got guys that have played football and played multiple seasons, but beyond Grant basically being the guy all last year, um, you've had others in terms of Urban and Johnson who have just kind of been in and out. Vogues, I want to get a thought here on a position group that you think Nebraska could do some work on or needs to do some work on between now and and, in post-spring, where you have either portal or second signing. Is there a a room you feel concerned about just because of lack of bodies? Yeah, I mean, I don't think Nebraska – well – Certainly, in my opinion, Nebraska didn't go into 2022 with the depth it would like to have on the D-line, tried to address that via the portal, and had two guys, two Power 5 transfers who played. I think that's a that's a room where you kind of say, hey, if there's a, uh, you know, maybe a raw prospect and you want to play the developmental route, uh, you could go that way and still what we have before this February signing period. Or you look to the portal because, you know, we've still got decisions coming from a guy like Garrett Nelson in terms of what he's going to do um, if he decides that he, he's going to, to to move on and chase a professional career or do something else. Um, that would that would hurt that group up front. So that's the big one. It's tough. Like you'll always, always take talented defensive linemen and it's always going to be super competitive to get them. But when you just look at the numbers there, I could see Nebraska wanting to boost that group a little bit. You know, the curse of covering and or being a Nebraska fan is uh, you can always talk yourself into nine and three, you know, (laughs) it's just part of the deal. It's like, Oh, well, you know, cause we dive so deep into all these guys. Um, And on paper, they, Nebraska's got all the things you need, right? Just like any other team. Um, that said, you look at rules history with Temple, with Baylor. First years are just awful. You know, one win, two wins, something like that. I, I'm not getting the sense from them that that's what they expect here. Just based on the comments that the staff has had about, no, the, you know, we're walking into a team that's, you know, these these guys work hard. There's already talent here. It's not. That's something that they feel like they have to burn to the ground. Are you getting that same sense that they don't expect a one win, a two win type year coming up? I think so. I'm, I'm leaning that direction because you're right. It certainly stands out. I wrote about this a little bit in the December issue of just like how quickly coaching changes can or cannot get going in, in kind of a new transfer portal era. And I, I do think it can happen more quickly. It's not a guarantee that it will but it can, and you still go back, you know, this, the 2022 season for Nebraska pretty much like was what it was. Um, you had a couple of close losses. You had a close win in there. You still go back to that. I still go back to that 2021 season, however, which is just like still the statistical outlier of all statistical outliers. That team was closer to the eight, nine win team than, then it was a three-win team. Doesn't matter now. Like the, the the debt has been paid on that. The bill came due on, on just never quite getting there. But when I look at Nebraska broadly, 
And really in today's era, like the last two years is probably about the bulk of your roster um, that you can hang on to. Nebraska was not a seven win team in terms of their actual ability. So if this coaching staff is already seeing that, um, then I, I, I do think that it's, it's, fair to to expect it doesn't have to be two and ten like it was you know at at temple or i think one and eleven like it was at baylor um it's a little bit of a different situation um so we'll see um i think they've got a good chance to be pretty competitive pretty quickly Brendan Vogel is with us. HailVarsity.com and Magazine Managing Editor. Get that Husker fan taken care of with the the monthly subscription, uh, digital and print uh, offer. HailVarsity.com backslash offer in honor of signing day. Let's get that offer out there. Vogues, what'd you... We're going we're gonna to let... Uh, hopefully, Junior's not watching on, on your phone. But I'm wondering, what, what did you... Uh, What'd you get Junior for for the holiday season? Does he have a uh, a throwback um, Matt Harrion jersey? Is there a Jamal Lord uh, jersey in in the uh, the stocking? Did you go Red Rider big? BB gun? One more time, Red Rider BB gun. Yeah, does he have a Red Rider BB gun? Did he go uh, get a giant axe for when everybody was in the woods yesterday? <laughs> axe wouldn't have been a bad idea. I like that. I'll jot that down for next year. We were discuss- <laughs> discussing discussing the, the BB gun. We've we've had a, a squirrel issue with uh, with our compost out in the backyard, so um, decided that not this year, but maybe next year, Max might be able to chip in with if he's just getting he? the right. How old is he? Yeah. Uh, he'll be two in April. Is that too early? <laughs> Might as well arm him. I mean, we, we have an elevated porch. He can just—it'll be like he can just sit up here. He doesn't have to engage. Like we just need the accuracy. Hey, hey, real quick, got, got to sneak in a little volleyball, real quick. Nebraska just gets a transfer from Florida, Merritt Beeson, the Wisconsin killer. Um, she's six rotations, so that means she doesn't sub. You don't have to sub her out. Basically, she can play everything. Can keep her in. She's really good out of the back row, even too. They set her a lot from there. Um, what does that pickup mean? And like that obviously means somebody has to go because you're over the scholarship limit. Yeah, it definitely means I think that a departure is is coming at some point. Um, you look at Merritt, she yeah, revisiting her her stats and and some of her numbers after she committed to nebraska i was looking at it i was like cool this is like a classic john cook player i mean we hear him talk about those six rotation players all the time you're losing one in in maddie cubic um so it it it, i don't want to call it a one-to-one replacement for that but that's the the broad idea i think with bringing a player like her in but it does mean that um, there must be a departure somewhere else. The fact that Beeson's coming in at outside hitter, you know, technically probably tells you which group I think to, to look at. So we'll see, you know, Nebraska had, despite losing some really, really good seniors, had a kind of good young core. And now with, with this news, you're left to wonder, well, is, is that core going to get a little bit smaller in the, the days ahead? Vogues, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to you and your fam. Thanks for making time again this morning, and uh, we'll check in with you in the new year, bud. Thanks a lot, guys. Merry Christmas to all and to all a good morning. There we go. There is <laughs> Thanks, Brandon Vogel from his football office 
He was even rocking the uh, Bond villain turtleneck. I liked it. Uh, it was pretty good. Dude, I'll tell you that that merit beat. You know, Nebraska's like they they can't they can't beat Wisconsin in volleyball. It's been like a hundred years since they've beaten with. She almost single handedly beat them on the road with Florida. So Which I, is I don't awesome. think it's any. I don't think it's any coincidence that Cook is like let's oh let's bring her let's bring in the Wisconsin killer. So we'll see. That's good. Uh, the Iron Horse going to be with us in a moment. Get his take on signing day and. The Husker football future. Gary Sharp joins us. Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt. Hale Varsity continues presented by Currency. Like what you hear? High quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hale Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. Glad to have you back. Yes, sir. You heard me right. Here are the guys, Schmidt and Cranach. Well, Hector, here's the game plan. You're going to bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. Then two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes out. Excellent strategy, sir. Back with your weekend editions here. It's Hale Varsity Radio. Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt. Currency brings you Hale Varsity Radio for all your equipment financing needs go currency. We have not dove into the absolute martinis yet. No Bloody Marys. We do bring you Sharpie Claws, though. Gary Sharp with to round out the 2022 season. Sharpie, good morning. Uh, do you have your sleigh packed for uh, for all sorts of goodies? How are we doing? I've rested up. All the uh, reindeer are ready to go. Uh, Merry Christmas to uh, you three and all of you listeners. Thank you. Um, so, uh, the uh, gift that keeps on giving. Assess this recruiting class, man. You know what? I think considering where it was when um, Matt Rule got the job, and, you know, I mean, Mickey had done a good job of keeping it together. But I think to keep it together and add some pieces that fit your blueprint while you you figure out guys that are on the current roster, how to, how to put all of them together, I think Nebraska did a really good job. I, I think it showed that they're a good relationship-building uh, unit, that they are uber-confident in their blueprint and what they can do. And they were really aggressive. And, uh, you know, they, they got some guys that you – you think could be gems like an Eric Fields. I mean, you can tell it in every coach's voice when he talks about him, you know, and then to get Malachi Coleman to stay in the class, I, I think for Nebraska and then yesterday's edition in the portal, it's a really, really good first start class. Now what you have to happen is two years down the road, three years down the road, you probably in your first, uh, your first class as a coach, you're at about 35 to 38% hit rate. If they can get 45% out of this class, even half the class, and I think that's a, a great sign moving forward from the recruiting angle for the staff. Gary Sharp with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Jeff Sims is a uh, quarterback transferring in from Georgia Tech. And uh, read the message boards and the commentary on Twitter. And people are not impressed with his statistics, generally speaking, especially completion mm-hmm. percentage. Um, but you can't deny the athleticism. 
should we judge his statistics considering where he was and how similar to last couple of years with Nebraska, he was under a lot of duress <laughs> as, as quarterbacks have been at Nebraska. Um, what do you think about him? 6'4", 220, transfer out of G-Tech. Well, I've I watched a fair amount of Georgia Tech football, and he's got, a, he's got an arm that he likes to show off and throwing into tight windows, and he can run. I've always wondered about his decision-making because I think his decision-making is really, really poor. Um, I think mm-hmm. they can do something with his arm strength. I mean, I, I will – you know, you get the two guys that are probably at the head of the quarterback room right now both had the same thing last year where they were running for their lives behind an offensive line. I look at the Jeff Sims uh, acquisition, acquisition and listen to Matt Rule the other day. I mean, you can tell that Matt Rule has watched a lot of him, that the NFL is big, and, you know, is, is Jeff Sims a placeholder for what could be on the horizon with Dylan Riola? You know, I, I don't know. And a lot of people, I think, are reading into, oh, Jeff Sims is Matt Rule's guy. I wouldn't count out Casey Thompson. Now, there's still a lot of unanswered questions there about his health and what he really wants to do. But I, I'm not ready to just hand it off to Jeff Sims because I think – you know, Nebraska, we don't know the quarterbacks. What's going to happen when they're, when they're coached up? Do they make another leap? Is their decision-making better? Are they just better because they have a better relationship with the OC in terms of what they can do well and the offensive line is better? There's a lot of question marks out there. But, guys, the great thing about this, we have 250 days before the first game to discuss a, a real quarterback battle at Nebraska that I believe will happen uh, for the first time since Crouch Newcomb. Yeah, Gary, if you're forecasting now, do you think that – the quarterback battle is going to be the biggest story of the fall. There's going to be a, a lot to make with a coach making his debut at Nebraska, and uh, there's going to be position battles all over. But if this quarterback battle is legit, you got to assume that's going to steal the headlines, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, it's going to be one of the most intriguing and, and curiosity seekers uh, spring game ever mm-hmm. because you, you don't know how all this is going to look, and you have a lot of new uh, uh, faces. But I think the quarterback, because that's going to be the difference, you know. And and, and then I'll be curious to see. What you do that puts you ahead of the other guys is simply you can run better. Um, your decision-making is better. But I, but I think that will be the number one story. But it could be a little weird in spring, guys, because we don't know, you know what, what the availability of Casey. We don't, we don't know if he's had his, his uh, surgery yet. There's a lot that we don't know. But I can tell you this. I don't, Casey Thompson is not going to go down quietly. I mean, he had come to Nebraska, as his dad has said. We didn't come here to watch. We came here to play. So, I think it'll be ramped up when he's fully healthy, and, and, and I hope the best man wins, and I hope whoever wins, both will start a game in the 23 season is my prediction. Yeah, history says someone gets smoked in the Big Ten and you got to go win a ball game with your backup, and uh, you're right about that. Gary Sharp with this weekend edition, Hale Varsity Radio. Sharpie, uh, we've spent a lot of time talking O-line and really like the message that was sent by Coach Rule but he wants to do more than just make this aesthetically pleasing. He wants, he wants this talent to be developed on the offensive line and, and stuck up for the offensive line. What was your reaction to him uh, pretty much just saying, look, the O-line's not as bad as everyone says it is? What's your, what's your, uh, your take on that? Well, I think it falls in line with you know, why you keep uh, Donnie as the offensive line coach is you probably looked and said, I think there's some guys that are there. And first of all, you're not going to throw them under the bus because we just talked about quarterbacks and being a difference maker. The offensive line is the whole key to the success in 23 with what you want to be able to do. And I'm talking the whole team. So you don't want to throw guys under the bus right away. But, you know, and, and, and he's very uber confident as we're all finding out, and he's going to be involved in offensive line 
you know, creation and coaching and evaluation is, you know, I think he's putting it on his tab. But I think he, he, he's thinking that there will be a better sinking of the offensive line coach and the OC will be much better. And can that make a difference? Um, but, you know, he's, he's put it out there. Uh, but I don't think he wanted to throw his guys under the bus and knows that they have to get better because all of us that have watched that line play over the last couple of years and especially last year, we know that they have to be better. They have to be better as a fivesome. There were some guys, some days were, were good. Three, three guys were great, two guys were bad. They need to find a way to get all five on the same page. And so I think Rule is kind of managing that. But I also think he's, he's treading lightly before he gets to where he wants to go. But I also wonder, did he, he make that kind of comment the other day knowing that Ben Scott was already in a fold? Sure. Gary Sharp is with us on Hale Varsity Radio. We, we talked a little bit about this last week, just wondering about the fate of folks like Kenny Wilhite and some others that have been a part of Nebraska's program in the background as like director of high school relations and kind of these uh, spots that aren't full-time staff. If you look at Huskers.com right now, Ron Brown's still listed as a senior offensive analyst. Kenny Wilhite is also still on there. Um you even have Whipple's boy <laughs> still, still there. And those things can change. But, you know, it, it appears like although he's bringing in a lot of new folks, he is listening and he is thinking about folks like Will Height, like Ron Brown, who's just provided a lot of value to Nebraska over the years. And at least as of now, it looks like they still have a spot. Is that reassuring to you? Um, well, I think, he, you know, when, when Matt's putting together his staff, I think that's important to have a little bit of interior knowledge. Um, but he, I also think he looked at it, guys, is here's my opportunity to have a fresh start. And it's not, not you know, any indicate you know, uh, those guys that are still there. I just, I, I think they're all valuable. And I think they bring something from what they know about the landscape of Nebraska and how this whole thing operates. Um, so I hope he keeps as many of, of those guys behind the scenes that have been so, so really good over the last few years. But I, I don't know when this is all done because, I, you know, we're not going to have the staff probably done until the middle of January. Um, then will that mean all the other staff um, behind the scenes will be filled in as well? And maybe we'll get some answers then, Mark. Gary, while we're talking staff here, the news of the week, uh, Nebraska adding some some high school coaches to their to their ranks with uh, a guy coming in from Florida, a guy coming in from Texas, and we've yet to see a guy from Nebraska, but that could still be something that's, that's potential. What do you make of, of Matt Rule's additions of some high school coaches to his staff? Not something that is new to him in his history, but it is something that we haven't seen at Nebraska in a while. Well, I think it's a, a great idea, and it, you know, Nebraska's not alone in doing this, and when you want to be strong in Florida, what do you do? Find somebody that's either got a Florida connection, and I think Evan Cooper has got a great connection in Florida, and I think he's going to be a fantastic recruiter, guys, because I think we'll be able to see results. That's for another uh, conversation. But you go and you get a high school coach from Florida and Texas, two areas where you really know that you have to recruit well and you need relationships in there. I will tell you, Bob Wager, who comes from Arlington, uh, he comes with high accolade, uh, really successful as a football coach, um, impactful with the Texas high school coaches, uh, and all of the, the student-athletes that he's had at his high school, the impact he's had on them away from the football field. So I, I think you're going to see kind of Matt Rule's plan when it comes to adding those guys. He knows he's always recruiting, and you can tell that on Wednesday. He's always recruiting. Well, he was, t- well, he was laying out the 23 class. Remember, he was telling us about guys in 24 that he's, you know, that he's worked with or is on the horizon. Um, so he's always recruiting. And I think in this case, he's always recruiting by these two additions. But I think you're also going to find something else out. I think Matt Rule is going to be big with 
outside of football. You know, what can we do as a life experience to change your life while you're here? And that's that's something I hear from uh, people in Texas that I reached out to and I asked about Bob Wager and he said he's all of the above. Football, life, everything. He'll be a great addition in the office as someone that can chime in that also can help with the current roster. And guys have any issues, instead of going straight to the head coach, they got a coach to talk to that can understand the their um, you know the problems they might be having. Sharpie, it sounds like they got a quite a few talent evaluators and then guys that can can help people grow up and, and mature. Uh, up the road from you, not far, Iowa Western Community College National Championship. You have two of their interior linemen, Gonzo. Uh, both programs, one to Auburn, I think one to Iowa. And do you anticipate Nebraska being better with landing some of the top JUCO talent that's just an hour, hour 15 away? And that's been an ongoing issue. And we, we know Nebraska's done well in the Jayhawk League in the past with getting Kansas JUCO kids. But there's been a lot of dudes that have gone on to other programs that are in, in the league. Yeah, you know, the, uh, from Iowa Western, and can can that be fixed? Well, well, it, it, you can tell that the staff does like to. Re, they're okay recruiting junior college guys. They're fine with that. And, and I don't know if any of them have a connection to Iowa Western, but we've been saying this for a long time. Will Nebraska ever get a full scholarship guy out of Iowa Western? And and I think over the last couple of years with Eric Chenander, Nebraska put more of an effort into recruiting Iowa Western. Um, they were going to practices, not just standing on the sidelines on games. They were going to practices. They got a couple of more visits out of there. Um, but the thing, you know, and, and, and Scott Strohmeyer is in a position where he can't choose favorites. Uh, I mean, he's got a wall chock full of guys that have gone on to play Power 5 football. They're all over the country. Um, but, you know, Iowa recruits really well there. A majority of his roster is from the state of Iowa. Uh, Iowa State has always recruited well there. Um, Stroh told me at one time, you know, his, he, got, he developed a really, really good relationship with Shenander, and he would give him a list of guys that say, hey, I know this guy can play in the Big Ten. You should look at him. And Nebraska did did more legwork in the last couple of years. Um, but it remains to be seen. But it, I, I don't think Nebraska's ignoring Iowa Western. I just think they haven't had success. And they haven't given, like, the big players they've gone after a reason to stay 45 minutes away from where they went to junior college. Well, you know, they can go somewhere else that may be closer to home or a program that has a longer relationship with them. But I would love to see it. And I, I don't, I don't think – um, you know, Scott Strohmeyer is not shutting the door. He he would love for his program to be able to promote. There's a guy playing down in Nebraska and starting. So we'll see um, off their championship team. They're they're going to lose a lot, but they will be loaded again in 23, especially on defense. Gary, with with a new coaching staff coming in, a, a rebuild imminent. Are you surprised that Nebraska only went and picked up one JUCO kid this cycle? That, that seems to be a hallmark of a rebuild is to go pick up JUCO kids. But the transfer portal has changed that in recent years. So I want to get your take. Are you surprised that there's only one JUCO kid in this class? Not really, Elijah, because you're right. Uh, and it, I, I feel bad for the junior college player because there's a there is a lot of talent in junior college football. Is the portal is probably the easier route to go because you can go. All right, he's already played at a power five level or a group of five level, so he's played Division one college football. We can see him instead of going. Well, what was he up against? Who is he playing against when Iowa Western was playing independent? So it's it's kind of across the country, and it's really a concern to junior college coaches. But here's the thing. If you're a good football player, somebody will find you. I mean, how does how does a defensive tackle from that's going to Iowa Western and Council Bluffs, Iowa, end up in Hugh Freeze's class? 
if you're good, they'll find you. But a lot of people rely more on that portal than the junior college ranks, and, and, and that's maybe something that the JUCOs have to uh, adjust to so that their really, really good talent doesn't get overlooked. But also look at some of the big recruiting classes. They found the junior college player that they wanted, so they're not entirely ignoring them. Gary Sharp with us, Hale Varsity Radio. You know, you look at the hall that Nebraska just brought in, and there's going to be more. There's going to be more movement in January, another signing day coming up. Um, and then, of course, you get into spring, and you know certain guys will see the writing on the wall and be even some more transfers potentially in and out. If you look at the roster where it sits right now, what, what do you feel like, including the new additions, where do you feel like there's still some holes and that we could look for Nebraska to really augment that roster over the coming months? I think wide receiver. Um, I, I don't, Mark, I mean, if you had a start today, is it Marcus Washington for sure who is your wide receiver one, or do you, do you have a wide receiver one on your roster? That's, where I, that's, that's a place. And also, don't you think, guys, because of who you've lost and you weren't able to get in this class, I, I think Nebraska's got to get a tight end. I, I think they're really, really young in that room, and you don't know where Fedoni is at in terms of you know, ready to go, you know, where, what his mindset is. So I think wide receiver and tight end are, are some key spots. And inside linebacker, I think those are three areas that Nebraska, you know, they have to continue to address. And then the fourth would be we always want more offensive line depth. Um, I like the high school hall, but those guys are probably two to three years away from really being a solid Big Ten lineman. Yeah, Gary, well, what's your uh, your take on the, the Ben Scott edition from Arizona State yesterday? He seems like a guy that's going to be a ready-made starter at Nebraska, and I think that means Nebraska probably has three spots along the offensive line set in, I don't want to call it stone, but maybe drying cement for next year. So uh, what's your take on the Ben Scott edition? Well, I think Ben should have some speaks with his mom. And I know his mom was excited. She's from Columbus. Uh, but but mom's got, mom can't be breaking news for you on Facebook. I mean, that's, that's your thing. So, so I think it's going to be uncomfortable around the Christmas table. Um, I think, you know, mom took away his thunder. Uh, but he, you know, if, if you think about where it was, talk about like saving a recruiting class or closing. Rule. I mean, everybody thought he was going to Auburn. I mean, uh, people at Auburn thought Ben Scott was locked and loaded with them, and he ends up at Nebraska after kind of going quiet for the last week. You know, he's a guy that can come in, and he probably takes care of your center spot for the next two years. He's already played Power 5 football. Physically, he looks like he can walk in, be refined a little bit, but he's ready to go. But I think the man in the middle settling that down is huge. And then, Elijah, as you were alluding to, you have do you have Teddy and you have Noelle. Now, just remember – Teddy has never played a full season. We know what we think we have there and what can be, but he hasn't played a full season. So you have to be careful there. And then Noel, he hasn't played football in a year. But if those guys can come back and they don't miss a beat, um, then you have three of your five spots locked down. And then you have some guys that are like, okay, I've played a lot of football here. Where do I fit in? But it's a, it's a really good addition for Nebraska because it's one of those rare offensive line additions where we can look at him and go, you know what, he's going to be a starter. I don't think we did that with Kevin Williams and Hunter Anthony last year. Gary Sharp, Sharpie, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to you and your fam. Thank you for jumping on with us this morning, man, and enjoy your your holiday time. Okay, bud? Hey, great stuff, guys. I always appreciate it. Have a a wonderful Christmas and a uh, Happy New Year. And there's, uh, there's hope on the horizon for 23, it appears. Absolutely, but take care. We'll talk next Thanks, year. Appreciate Thanks, Gary. Gary Sharp with us on Hale Varsity Weekend Edition, presented by Currency, Mark Cranach, Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt. Guys, we'll uh, we'll talk here uh, in a bit.
as in uh, 2023, all right? Cranack, enjoy your time with family, brother. Love you guys. And uh, thanks to you too, Elijah. We'll talk to you next time. Get the podcast, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Give us a rating, por favor, or uh, just check things out as well on the Hale Varsity uh, YouTube channel. Get that subscription, hailvarsity.com backslash offer. We'll talk to you next year with Hale Varsity. Thanks. A Huda Media Production.